bag of four grits. Hello, everybody. So, here is the deal with the episode you are about to listen to. It is our episode about the film, Shadow in the Cloud, with our special guest, Kyle Hickman. Uh, we were very excited about it, and we thought it turned out very well. But um, we had some pretty profound uh, technical issues uh, when we were recording it. So, most of the podcast is still intact, but you might notice a few spots here and there where we have to skip around and maybe cut out some content. Uh, and I hope you'll forgive us of that. The audio quality is not the greatest. Uh, we had a lot of different problems. Quite ironic, if I might observe, that a movie about gremlins causing problems in machinery happened to be our episode where we had uh, some of our most profound technical difficulties to date. So, uh, bear with us. Uh, we still, you know, stand up for the content in this episode. I hope that, you know, you can handle uh, the issues in it. Um, so thank you for listening, and I'll do our intro because we, uh, lost that footage. Uh, welcome to the Cool Takes Podcast, the only bad movie podcast where the bad movies are good, actually. Every week, we bring on a guest to give a sincere and unironic defense of an unpopular or unliked movie in an effort to successfully gaslight our audience into having bad taste. My name is Jackson McMurray, and I am joined, as always, by my sister Adeline McMurray and our good friend Keisha Rhodes. And we are also joined by our special guest, Kyle Hickman, who came on the show today to talk about a little movie called Shadow in the Cloud, which is a direct-to-Redbox World War II sci-fi adventure movie starring Chloe Grace Moretz and Tim Robinson, released in the dead of the pandemic, January 1st, 2021. So, Kyle, uh, do you want to introduce yourself and plug your own podcast on your own terms, as well as sort of explain to us your relationship with the movie we're talking about and exactly why you chose to bring it on the show today. Yeah. I love, first off, I love the intro of let, let's gaslight our audience into loving bad movies. I think that's yeah. a great premise. <laughs> so I smiled during that. Uh, but yeah, Kyle Hickman, um, I'm a Midwest United States person, born and raised in Michigan, live in Indianapolis currently. I um, oversee the world of Munson's at the movies. It is a film podcast that has been around for about two years we have a mega list of actors that's almost 900 deep we randomly select five of them throw them on a wheel spin the wheel and then we cover the life and career of whatever actors chosen and put in front of us bring in a variety of guests and we cover anyone from what our last three episodes were dennis haysbert jim carrey and who was before jim dakota fanning wilm defoe random actors from across the spectrum and uh it's a good combination of informative, fun, and entertaining, and we try to weave a web, a narrative about who they are as a performer, right? And so I'm the host of that the little other. operation. Yeah. <laughs> and I, so this movie we're covering, Shadow in the Cloud, is actually one that I learned about through our Chloe Grace Moretz episode. Mm. And this movie was the largest audience gap. So we do five feature reviews every episode, and one of them is audience gap. So on Rotten Tomatoes, what is the movie where the gap is biggest between the audiences love it and the critics don't. And this was that movie because it's like a 40 point difference on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. So that's how I learned about it. We covered it on that episode. And so I'm excited to talk about it a little bit further with y'all. Excellent. So yeah, I, I was doing a little bit of digging on this movie uh, because I'm, because we, all three of us were just watching this movie for the first time, either last night or this mm -hmm. morning. Um, and we're all super excited about it because I've seen this thing on the, on the red box interface, like 900 times. I'm always going to the red box and checking out things I missed in theaters. And this is one of those movies that you're just like, this is like some weird Bulgarian movie. That's like a tax write-off for somebody or like, like who <laughs> is this for? Got some money. Yeah, yeah. Like shows up in a red box. It's got Bruce Willis in it or something. And you just like, never think about it. Uh, uh -huh. but, uh, so I was doing some digging on the actual, like, production release of this movie, uh, because it was, uh, uh, I'm especially fascinated by New Zealand, the New Zealand film industry, um, mm -hmm. because I took a, uh, a class on it in college. I took a New Zealand film history and culture class. Um, and one of the things that's the most fascinating about it is because they have, like, the New Zealand Film Commission is such a like robust institution and they're like constantly producing so much of their own content for their own markets in the country that there are these movies 
in like every once in a while there's one that kind of crosses over but there are these movies that exist that's just like because uh, the director of this movie Roseanne Ling uh, directed a movie which was just called My Wedding and Other Secrets and it's like a romantic comedy that was <laughs> sponsored by the New Zealand Film Commission and it was the highest grossing movie of 2011 in New Zealand <laughs> like oh, wow. so Sounds like a soap or a Hallmark. Right. Movie. Yeah, and they totally. just have their yeah. own, like, not that they don't get other movies, but they just have their own, like, ecosystem of film mm-hmm. where you just hear about, like, some random thing. You're like, I have no idea what that is. I've never heard of it. And they're like, well, it made $3 million opening yeah, well, night it in did Auckland. Great. Yeah. So, um, but that's this director, Roseanne Ling. Um, and I guess that this script uh, came from. Uh, it was just a Max Landis script that was just flowing around, which was like such a weird, cause I didn't know that as I was watching it. And I, so I was just like watching this movie. I was like, yeah, like I knew who the director was and I was like doing all this thing. And the, the credits, they had that like big, like cheesy curtain call. And I'm like, this is incredible. I'm loving this. And it was like written by Max Landis. And I was like, Oh fuck, wait, no, <laughs> go back. What happened? Um, and I don't know what exactly happened that this Max Landis screenplay had to like go through like four different production companies and like New Zealand, <laughs> like national, Finally national funds yeah. to like get made. Um, but apparently it started before a lot of his me too issues to put it lightly. Um, and it uh, was rewritten really drastically after all of that. Uh, apparently it was a Max Landis script that the director Roseanne Ling took and rewrote after he was sort of booted from the project. But the way that SAG or Writers Guild rules work, he still had to get the solo screenplay credit on it. Um, Mm. And, but here's like, what I think is the most fascinating is that it was just like, you know, it came out during like whatever version of the Toronto film festival they had in 2020 uh, where it was all, like, at-home viewing or whatever. And it got, like, some, like, you know, a little bit of buzz, some, like, mild accolades. And uh, then it got picked up by Redbox. Like, Redbox was no. the American distributor of this movie. Um, so uh, I think that really did a lot for, like, how much this movie is sort of ignored and generally not liked is because I think it just... And, like, it's got that, like, horrible poster with just, like, her, like, walking towards the camera and you're like, this just looks like a Bulgarian Bruce Willis movie. Like, this, yeah. this looks like a Redbox movie. Which is, I kind of think, a big part of the reason why people didn't quite give this the attention that I think it deserves. Because I think it's really good. Oh, it's so good. So good. This is, like, 100% my thing. I love, <laughs> like, I love... I love, uh, I'm blanking on the word, but I love this time period. I love going into this. I love sci-fi based around like the World War II, 50s, 60s, 40s. Like, I love that. Like, I love, and it's just, I love all of it. Like, my favorite video game of all time is Bioshock, which is very much like dealing in these same areas with like dealing with social issues of the time while also introducing like sci-fi and horror elements. So this is like a hundred percent my shit. I was so down for this. Like, female protagonist, female director, like... Sign me up. I'm going to have a blast. <laughs> well, you, well, you know, you don't even need to know everything that you just said, Jackson. All you need to know right. from the last scene to know it's a female director is that the movie ends with her breastfeeding. And you're like, ah, that guy <laughs> yeah. wouldn't write that yeah. at yeah. all. No. no male director, no male writer is going <laughs> to <Yeah>. write that. <laughs> yeah. like, it's so good. My favorite like, thing about this movie is that like the main thesis is like this woman in an obviously male-dominated field, just, like, trying to get her foot in the door and, like, be respected. But then there's also, like, a little gremlin. There's a little gremlin. It's <laughs> a little gremlin crash. And you're like, wait a second. Like, are we are we going to be able to spin all these plates at the same time? And those plates never fall to the point where she gets launched back into the airplane from an explosion after she spider-man crawled her way (laughs) back and forth a few times that was the one thing still a little gremlin but but here's the thing it's it's absurd but once you get past the fact that there are flying gremlins that exist who gives a shit at that (laughs) point all this other stuff that happens right as long as you buy that these air gremlins are attacking planes and humans then her getting blown up straight yeah. up into the hatch. That's just art, baby. It's so that's good. Just, like, that's yeah. what it is. Like, yeah. The Nibblers are not members of the Allied forces. 
So that's like another whole <laughs> yeah. level of just like they are not. Where, where are their allegiances? I'm not really sure. Like, are they on? Are they fighting with the Japanese? Yeah, I really don't. And I wanna, <laughs> I wanna take nice? a second to sort of like do a synopsis of this movie for people who that's might true. not know about yeah. it because it's not well, exactly. Spoiler <laughs> warning for this movie because I do think the twist is very, very fun it's and very... kind of important. Yeah. So very, so big spoiler warning for like the twist yeah. of the film. But I do the think twist that isn't Gremlins, isn't that? <laughs> yeah. I know the twist is not, not the fact that there's Gremlins. Part of it. Well, that's what we talked about on the, our Chloe Grace Moretz episode, and Rigby, who reviewed this, was like. I think critics don't love this movie because it's so many different genres packed into one movie right. of like creature feature, adventure, action, g- gender commentary, period drama. Like it's there's just so many things going yeah. on, but they I think they do a pretty good job balancing yeah. all They're of it. They're like you can have a Mick Pick 2, but you cannot have a Mick Pick 17. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on. Uh but I weirdly I weirdly feel like that clip of her like falling out of a plane hatch and then getting blown up by an exploding Japanese airplane like back into the hatch is like weirdly maybe this movie's biggest footprint because that was like literally the first thing you said when you brought up this movie, Kyle, in that email. I was like, I know that clip from Twitter. Like, that went around for a while when this movie came out. Uh, And, like, that was, like, the only thing I knew about it besides just it being this Redbox movie and that she gets blown back into an airplane at one Mm -hmm. point. Um, So, basically, the premise of this movie is just that Chloe Grace Moretz is a... uh, I mean, you don't know exactly what she is, but she's some sort of military personnel who gets on this plane... That's going somewhere and she has this mysterious package and there's lots of mystery and she gets like locked in the turret indefinitely. She's stuck in the turret. Yeah, it's World War II. She's stuck in the turret and there are literal physical gremlins on the plane Twilight Zone style. And that's like act one. (laughs) Like almost every one of the the. Uh, members of the team are misogynistic assholes right. who she mm-hmm. has to listen to and you have to deal with that. And I really and I feel love... like reading just that little blurb on Wikipedia that was like the the movie was drastically rewritten after Max Landis was booted from the project. Oh yeah. Makes so much sense to me because this movie... It feels movie... like we're directly calling him out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like this movie feels like a commentary on making a movie written by Max Landis in a weird yeah. kind of way. Like it... It's so like, oh, much... we're just going to listen to the male voices only. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> right. But, and now, it's... now I'm just curious if any of those characters are named Max or Landis. I'm going to go look at <laughs> see. see if that's um, obvious. And, like, it just feels like it... Because it's not only, like, from the perspective of, like, a female director and a female star trying to, like, make a movie just in general with the way that, you know, the industry can be, but, like, specifically under that particular shadow, shadow in the cloud of of max landis and like it feels like a commentary on like like it's it's this thing like i feel like the gremlin metaphor is obviously like you know and like you know gremlins are like a real air force thing like when something goes wrong Mm -hmm. on a plane you said like oh it was a gremlin because it happens a lot because planes are fucking complicated insane machines yeah yeah um but (laughs) like flying through the air on a piece of metal it's this but it's this idea that it's like a gremlin is not literally real there's not a little guy fucking up your stuff it's you made a mistake or somebody made a mistake it doesn't just happen Mm -hmm. right and you're like blaming the universe yeah right um and i think that sort of the central premise of this movie is like it's true you have to take responsibility for yourself in a lot of different ways but sometimes there also is a gremlin. <laughs> like, mm. And if yeah. you ignore the fact that sometimes there can just be a gremlin, it's going to severely limit your abel- ability to deal with the gremlin, you know? Yeah. And I feel like mm-hmm. w- within the entire, like, feminist commentary of this thing, like, it feels like, you know, it's in conversation with the whole girl boss thing of, like, roll up mm-hmm. your sleeves and get it done, fight, like, it's it's all on you, like, you know, you gotta rise above, but it's like, no, sometimes this is, like, a real problem, and it's more than just, you know, doing the hard work. Like, there is a gremlin, mm-hmm. like, there is systemic misogyny in Hollywood, like, it has to be accepted and acknowledged before we could deal with it. Like, yeah, we you can't, can't just, just muscle through. You can't yeah. just, yeah, deal with it. Like, it doesn't work that way. You gotta be like, there is a gremlin this time. It's not really my fault. Like, mm. there are I things that are feel... my fault, but this is not. This is a, literally a gremlin. Mm. 
And I do feel also just kind of talking about, like, the idea that, like, women can't fail ever. And if they right. do fail, it's because women are terrible and stupid and there's no other... Like, all of the things that could go horribly wrong with a film from production to, like, post-production to the advertisements just being bad. Like, things that can ruin a film without that is like nobody's fault right it's not nobody's fault it's your fault because you're a woman and you did something and you did right. bad this time so mm. we're not gonna let anybody try i mean again. <laughs> when the captain dies at the end the last mm. thing he says is like you're what were you fucking thinking why did you do this <laughs> yeah like, i feel like that's like the perfect thing like for some yeah. reason it's like her fault for no particular yeah. reason, even though he literally yeah, got killed by a bat monster. in that turret. First of all, I felt this entire movie. Like, people who know me know that in high school, I was in percussion for four years. So there was, like, many, 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 many times I was the only girl in a room full of guys. And let me tell you, that is exactly the feeling of being locked in that little turret. While they're all, A, just being, like, huge misogynists, and you just have to deal with it. Or, like, that scene where they're all blaming her for shit. Like, as they're trying to help her. Like, right. I, like, I got, like, I've just been in that exact situation. It's, like, it's just, it's so spot on. Like, it does such yeah. a good job. And, like, the way I love, I mean, the style of, like, editing in the movie is so cool. Because the whole movie, practically, is her perspective. Is her in that bubble for, like, the majority yep. of the film. And it's so claustrophobic and scary and terrifying. And you just, like, feel that pressure as she's cramped in there. And, like, I love how you can only see the guys' faces, like, when they're introducing themselves or, like, when you can hear them, like, doing things. Yeah. And then we have, like, these flashes of them, like, in the dark with these, like, bright lights on them. Like, it's so cool. It's so good. It does such a good job of giving you that feeling of, like, claustrophobia and danger and anxiety and fear, like, in this little bubble. Like, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. The filmmaking certainly forces you to like fully be in her shoes in that mm -hmm. experience in that mm -hmm. claustrophobic moment, like to the point where she sh shoved her finger through to keep it closed. Ooh. I'm like, Ugh. oh man, I can almost Brutal. feel my Ugh. finger breaking it's while so it's good. happening. Mm -hmm. I do think, or, or no, go ahead, Kyle. Oh, I didn't know. I'm just freaking oh. out. <laughs> Broken uh, fingers. But I uh, thought. Like, I do think, like, if I, but if I were to, like, you know, pick apart this movie, obviously it's not a perfect masterpiece. I think, like, I really do think that the special effects kind of tie this movie down a little bit. Like, little it's bit. very yeah, ambitious. You can kind of, like, see the budget. Like, it's oh, super sure. ambitious with all these things it's doing. And these, like, sequences are really well-directed and really effective. Like, where she's using the fucking bullet holes in the plane as, like, handholds to, like, crawl yeah. along the bottom of it. It's such a wild thing. But it, it sucks that you have to kind of be distracted by the quality of the green screen in it at the same time, yeah. you know? Because mm -hmm. you're like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen, and it's so cool, but I, can, I can't also not see that this is Chloe Grace Moret in a studio in Auckland somewhere, like, mm. getting a wind, like a fan blown on her yeah, <laughs> at yeah. the same time. It's, it's just kind of bummer. I wish we could go back. I wish we could go back and give him an extra $20,000. Get yeah, just some, get, like, the best green screen. Some better lights. <laughs> well, like, are we going to talk about the package? Because that's where I lost some of my, uh, like, that's where the, the <laughs> suspension of disbelief right. got a little rattled. If I kind of like that. I kind of yeah. like that. The, you mean the, when it's I falling around that. all over the <laughs> yeah. place? Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. like that they're just like, listen. <laughs> there's this box that's got issues. a baby in it. We're going to check in every once in a while. I'll be like, baby's still good? They're like, yep, baby's still good. We're going to be baby's like, sick, that's all we so need. It's just so funny because, like, scrambled. this baby's it's fully, full-on scrambled, and every time you open up the, like, it's box like perfect or the and bag, beautiful. it's, like, the same yeah. exact shot of him being like, <laughs> and then at the very end, he's like, and he's like, oh, I'm fine. Like, he starts crying at the end. You're like, sir. You all, you fell out of an airplane today. It was a sedated baby. They did say that. They did tell you that. This is true. I mean, I don't know. It didn't ruin my suspension of disbelief as much as Dune did. Weirdly, as soon as Dune told me that the mom was pregnant, and no, the mom is pregnant in Dune, and then she gets into like three helicopter crashes, and then has to run across a desert, and then her husband dies. I'm like, that baby's fucking dead. Like, don't tell me this lady has a baby. I know that she's got plot armor or whatever, but like, she's not having a baby. That baby's dead. She's been in like four helicopter crashes. But like, I've seen too many Fast and Furious movies at this point. I've been trained to suspend all the disbelief. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, but when they were like, yeah, when they like showed you, they're like, the baby's fine, and they were always like. 
stays upright for most, most of the movie. I was like, okay, I can accept this. It's fine. Like, nothing truly heinous happens to the baby. It gets flopped around a lot. Don't get me wrong. But, like, that moment where she has the anxiety that the baby's been crushed and they show you, like, her anxiety happening behind yeah. her, that was fucking scary. In the, if, in the post-credits, if they show me, like, that baby's gonna have some medical issues, then I'm like, okay, cool. I'm <laughs> yeah. with right. it. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, some, yeah. <laughs> Like well, if it was just like a line, they were like, "Yeah, it did break both of its arms, but it's a baby; it'll be fine." Like that'd be it'll like, be "Okay, up. great, cool." They just have such big heads and such soft necks. Yeah. Like, well, and I mean, they're so floppy. You know, I mean, obviously, the difference between this and Dune is a lot. <laughs> like, it just yes. a lot of different total things. You're willing to accept a lot more in a movie like this, where there's gremlins attacking a World War II fighter yeah, plane. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Congratulations on. Congratulations on stamping your identity as a podcast. You're the only podcast who will ever compare Shadow in the Cloud and Dune. So congratulations. (laughs) Well, if we really wanted to get wild, we get Tenet up in here. We just talk a little bit of Tenet. (laughs) What it need is. Some time travel. There we go. Uh, Oh, yes. And I I really really love... Go ahead, Adeline. Okay. I do really love... The design of the gremlin like it's this very nice balance of yeah. like he looks like a big rat and kind of like a bat like he looks he doesn't look like a monster like he feels like he very much fits into the environment in the world even if it's kind of a hokey world with yeah. gremlins like it still feels realistic and like real when, when and that like breathe thing, in on the thing yeah. yeah and that thing that it does yeah. like with its tongue where it's got like teeth in it's, it's got like a panda baba like, yeah, like egg sack mouth <laughs> which i quite yeah, like yeah and it's so Ooh. gross like it, but it's not it's the like big old hooks hooks for yeah hands. like whatever the line is between like in horror especially and like between like spooky cryptid yeah. animal and like full-on like monster like this ride rides that line really well of like it feels like a cryptid it feels like a real animal obviously it's got some kind of intelligence they kind of talk at the beginning of the movie it's like its only thing is that it wants to cause you harm so when it like grabs the baby you're not like why did that animal grab a baby that it doesn't know is there you're like oh it wants to hurt people so that's why i did that like (laughs) it makes sense and it feels right and it feels like it fits in the world i'm trying to kidnap children at home it did just like i'm here for the baby i know what's in the package those dudes don't but i know he can there. smell it. And he's smell like, oh, it. that lady's going to be real sad if I drop this baby off the plane. So he just goes I to stand. I could smell I the youth. Like... Maybe, maybe the gremlin was trying to keep the baby safe. He, he, yeah. The gremlin yeah. knew just there was a lot of angst and anger, right? And it was just trying to save the baby. Yeah. He was Why like, this is not a good environment. There's a lot of toxic masculinity <laughs> in this plane. And this is I... not a healthy environment for a child to be raised in. Maybe <laughs> Max Landis wrote the movie to be Last Duel style, where we get one cut from her oh. perspective, one cut from the baby's perspective, and one oh, cut from the gremlin the perspective. Mm. And we would have Stick sympathized the with the gremlin. The baby cut is just well, darkness for a really long time, and then you open up the box, it's just big heads. Yeah. And the darkness for the just sound. That would though. be so good. I'm just well, imagining. You know those, like, those like SpongeBob rides that they would have at like amusement parks and zoos where you would sit in the seat <laughs> and they would play the movie and they would like shake you around. That's what the baby cut is. They just like put him. you on the seat. Yeah, and just, they just go ham. It's like Ryan Reynolds being buried alive. It's like the truth according to the gremlin. And then everything else fades <laughs> out and just the words the truth hang for like four extra seconds before they go away. Um, I'm really fascinated good. by the career of Chloe Grace Moretz as it stands right this instant. I'm sure you have plenty to say because you did a whole other podcast about it, Kyle. Yeah. But like, did. I... Have she has always been like a really charismatic performer? I think like most mm-hmm. people, like I mean, she sort of became a a, a minor star as like a young teen. Like mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. Kick Ass and like her role on Thirty Rock were like the two yeah, big things. Five hundred days of summer. Was she in Five Hundred Days of Summer? I haven't seen that yeah. one. She's yeah, sister. she she plays the sassy. What she plays like a therapist to uh to yeah. JGL in that movie, huh. essentially. Right. Oh, I think I have heard about. Yeah, so but like she's like you dumbass, and she's like eight years old. That and yeah. that's why it's funny. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I love precocious. Like summer, summer is trouble avoided at all costs. Is essentially what she was trying to tell him. But <laughs> yeah, you know, um, listen. And but like as she's grown up, I feel like she's because she has a very specific bit as like a little teen. You know, she's kind of like mm-hmm. it sounds like in this. It sounds like in Kick Ass and in Thirty Rock all. She's like this, like hyper intelligent 
little girl who's like way smarter than she knows and is like tough and angry and will swear at you. <laughs> it's like kind of what she's been doing. Mm-hmm. But like as she's grown up, I think she's having a really hard time like figuring out where her spot is. Because, like, I was aware of her in, like, Greta and, like, Miseducation of Cameron Mm -hmm. Post, where these are, like, very, like, small sort of serious dramas where she's playing sort of, like, you know, very, like, introspective, like, young adults. And then this last year, it sounds like she's just kind of, like, throwing whatever against the wall to see what sticks. She's doing, like, a big period World War II action movie, Tom and Jerry, where she's just, Mother Android just came out on Hulu. Mother Android? Yeah, it just came out on Hulu. I don't, I'm not aware of that one. Oh, it's brand new. What's it about? Like, what's, what is she doing in that one? In a post-apocalyptic world rocked by a violent android uprising, a young pregnant woman and her boyfriend desperately search for safety. So survival flick. 42 Metascore, 4.1. So it's, <laughs> it hasn't been received well. But right. yeah, her, her career, it's, you know, she's been in some big horror remakes mm-hmm. like Carrie and things right, like that. Yeah. And obviously Greta being a horror film. Um, Suspiria was really good. Her role is pretty important to that movie. She's tend to pick some more like a social justice-y, you know, mm-hmm. more uh, types of roles like Cameron Post and things like that. But to given her age, she's a star. You know, she's mm-hmm. done quite a bit right. for her age at this point in her career. But yeah. she's she's definitely trying some different stuff, right? She didn't do a lot of comedy early on. Tom and Jerry's mm-hmm. more of a comedic role. Um, How did I know, not but... know that Chloe Grace Moretz was in Suspiria? I like that movie a lot. Somehow I totally blocked out that that was Chloe, Chloe Grace Moretz this whole she time. She bookends the movie. Right, yeah. But anyway, not a huge role, but important. Right. Story. And she's got a tricky, like, face and voice where right. she just, like, sounds and looks, like, very young and very mm-hmm. innocent. Yeah. And that can be really tricky. Speaking as someone who can pass as a middle schooler sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, mm, like, there's not a lot you can do to, like change that other like if your voice is the way it is then mm-hmm. if you're only five four you know you're gonna get outgrown by some 12 year olds sooner rather than later <laughs> and then the better the quicker you accept uh-huh. that the better and i think she's yeah. really good so in in this movie in shadow of the cloud like i mean yeah. the whole thing i mean the first half takes place entirely in this little bubble oh, the movie is absolutely on her shoulders yeah like, yeah. like if her she... performance wasn't good this movie would not be able to stand on its legs yeah after it. And she just has to, like, carry it. She just has to, like, be the entire movie for the first half. But, Mm -hmm. like, and so, and she totally rules at that. But I can't help, like, at the end when she's, like, climbing around and, like, fighting guys and doing this stuff. Just her voice, she has such a hard time with, like, genuine, sincere, like, anger and, like, intensity, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. at the end of the movie where she's like, everybody get down! You're like... Hold on, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I would. Yeah. If I, I mean, maybe it's part of you know, sort of the thematics of it that you don't take her seriously. But like, yeah, she's trying to have her like Sigourney Weaver moment, but you're like, I don't know if I would uh, respond to that order. Like that just. I did have this thought though, where I was at the beginning of the movie. She's using a British accent. Spoilers. Um, and I thought this sounds like one of those fake British accents where it's like not any (laughs) real thing, and they should have helped her with it. And then you find out it was a fake accent, so it was her acting as someone using a fake british accent so she would have used wow. a bad british accent Delay. i was like this is genius this is so genius. Many ways. Work. Like, so she's many a good ways. actress and like as you're brainstorming like these different reveals and these different like reversals and twists that you can play out that take place entirely inside of an airplane like yeah, this tiny airplane like having the reveal that she's not even using her real accent about halfway through i think is such a smart one because it just has such an immediate and profound effect on, like, the movie. And it, like, mm-hmm. you know, connotes a lot of other bigger secrets and things. But just on a fundamental level, it changes the way you're watching the movie in a mm-hmm. way that I think is, like, really fun. And they're so good at, like, finding these angles to be like, okay, so now she's trapped in there. Okay, so now they're finding out her thing. Okay, so now they're not taking her seriously when she can't get out of the thing. And then, like, the big twist where you just hear the baby noises coming over the walkie-talkie it's like such a perfect like linchpin moment it's so fun and the way that they handled the package and she's going with the baby daddy yeah wait baby daddy is on the plane (laughs) oh so good and like i i love the way that they handled the package like film wise 
before we figure out what's in it. Like, we do all those cuts of, like, her in the package where she's, like, thinking we see the package or, like, the way that we, like, keep, like, looking at that air vent on the package. Like, what is that? Is that a radio? Is that that an air vent? Like, what is that? Like, because it's just you trying to fill in the gaps of what could possibly be in there. Right. And the way we've already taken a supernatural tone, I mean, with the, like, synth music and the bright lights, like, and the fact that there's a gremlin on the airplane. Yeah, like, like it feels very 80s. it could be fucking anything in there and when they're like maybe it's a mind control thing you're like oh maybe it might be and then when you open it up and you're like oh they've just been accusing her of shit because maybe they're it's, assholes maybe it's an incense for it's gremlins just a baby. like you know? it's, it's so <laughs> it's good a yeah. gremlin she's <laughs> team gremlin so, so this was my second yeah, time there's a gremlin in there like, this is my second time seeing it i think for me knowing all the twists and turns it was fun to re-watch it and to see all the little things the little trails like to your point seeing the air vents right like i knew what was in mm-hmm. there so i was able to pick up a little bit more on the hints that the filmmakers giving you along the way about what's coming so that was really unique knowing that she's bringing her child on board knowing that quaid is actually the baby daddy for her you know mm-hmm. the foil for her marriage and knowing that she's gonna whoop the shit out of a gremlin at the end like that that was fun. That was, I love that. That was the so only much. time I was like, "Oh, the CGI for the Gremlins not great." And I get it. That's a hard one, unless you've got a big budget mm-hmm. to make that look realistic. But when she beats the shit out of that Gremlin and shoves the claw right through its throat, I was. That's when I knew I was like, oh, "I fucking love this movie. This movie's great." It's so, so. good because that whole scene is just like, "Yeah, kick his ass." <laughs> like that's just that whole scene. Yeah, and I love that they let us have that plane crash. She's like, ugh, just another Tuesday, I guess. Gotta go beat up this gremlin, kill it with its own claws. Gotta go punch the well, shit like, in. Before she goes to beat the shit out of it, yeah. she's just like, all right, hold my things. Give me a second. And <laughs> yeah. the gremlin's like, not even like I'm gonna fight this bitch. Like, no, 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 yeah. I'm getting away from her. She's gonna murder me. Oh, man, what a, so what a fun moment. And then breastfeeding. I can't wait out. to see like, the point like, of view. Do your mom thing, girl. The gremlin point of view movie. See I know. that fight scene is from his get beat to death. Yeah, well, uh, I yeah. love... Going back to, like, the feminist narrative that's going on, obviously, is that I love how they handle... They handle the deaths of the men that die very well. Because there's... I feel like if they're misogynists and then they die because they were misogynists, I think you get... You would be left with kind of, like, an angry feminist movie, you know? Where, Mm -hmm. like, I... And not to say there's anything bad with that, but you know what I mean. Like, it just, it would feel, like, angry and, like, you, you deserve to die because you were mean to me and that kind of thing. I like how we see the glimmers of humanity as they die and you realize that they chose not to show her that humanity the entire time. That they were able to be these good people and the moment that there's danger and there's baby and there's things at risk and things are going wrong, they are willing to be good people and they were not willing to do that before i think that is so much more poignant and i think they handle it so well and even that scene where they realize that walt is her baby daddy like they're in a relationship and then all the guys are like damn man we wouldn't have said that if we knew that she was your girl like all the respect all the people that are nice to her are nice to her because they know her specifically not because they're just nice people like it's so good at creating all those relationships and like showing you exactly what like social like hierarchy is like going on like it's so uh, it's so good at it like it does such a good job i think that there is something too about like the way that systems oppress already oppressed people where Mm -hmm. like technically what she did wasn't cool like it wasn't legal because she Mm -hmm. forged a bunch of documents and lied to a bunch of higher-ups um in the military and then you know came clean about it but that was at the because of all of the things that had been happening to her previously where like you like she had no other choice like this is the only way that i can see forward how to like raise my child without dying without like literally Mm -hmm. being killed um and then he was like does it matter yeah that is the gremlin but yeah but there is something where like you like you sh- there should be standards for things obviously like it's not kosher to constantly lie and forge things and like take advantage you of do like, need a special I get ops it. mission during like a a flyover Samoa during World War Two like that's probably not good but legitimate say, military conflict right with, yeah with mm-hmm. planes you know. nearby trying to kill you <laughs> yeah you know like that's like that is a dangerous position that they were put in 
but that's to hold someone at the same standard as everybody else who doesn't have all of these hoops, all of these gremlins to fight mm-hmm. and jump through. And you're like, well, but you did mess up here, which she did. But all of these other places, she did not. So, like, why, like, where do we, how do we reconcile this as a species? That is the question. Because it can't just be fighting a literal gremlin and then breastfeeding right afterwards. There's got to be, be something fun, though. else, right? That would be cool. That would be yeah. fun. <laughs> I wish that it were. That's choice number one. That's that's option A, but I don't think we have that. Like, what are you doing today? I'm gonna wake up and choose violence. I'm gonna beat some gremlin ass <laughs> yeah. and then feed yeah, like, my daughter. Yeah. Take him at the dump. <laughs> and if she <laughs> drinks some of its blood, so be it. She'll be yeah, stronger. I wonder what like... gremlin blood tastes like. Yeah, like this movie reminds me of like season two of American Horror Story, if you're familiar with it. Where like season one, they were like, "It's spooky, spooky ghosts." Isn't that good? Isn't that fun? Isn't, don't and you people like liked that? it. Yeah. And there were some twists and turns. And they were like, "Season two, what can we do? Um, possession, serial killer, uh, aliens, <laughs> ghosts. Like they just like like time travel, like all of these things. Where you're like, maybe time traveling ghost. You were." Sure. But you if sure you did, you're not talking about you what we do in the shadows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> love, I'm the love that show. It's my favorite. Well, FX is really just so cranking them out, you know? That's true. But if they took any of these things away, I would have been like, this is not as good. Why is this good? And the reason why is because it needs to be that way. This movie needs to be this way. It's yeah. better. <laughs> better like that. Hmm. Yeah, and I feel like, I don't know. It feels like two, like, contradicting conversations, and of course they're probably being had by different people on the internet, but it's the internet, so it all seems like the same voice shouting at you. But, like, the the conversation that we always seem to be having of, like, oh, there's no new content in the world. Like, everything's just old stories over and over and over That's again. Dumb. But then, which is just straight up not true. But yeah. then when they're... Or it, or it has been true for the past, like, thousand years. Yeah, which or it's always been true, yeah, which is another thing, but yeah. Okay, all of our stories come from the same core myths. Right, it's yeah, just different exactly. variations of them. The superhero mm-hmm. archetypes are are very obvious. Yeah, yeah. heroes They're drop adapted culturally. Man yeah. versus man, mm-hmm. man versus nature, yeah. girl Shout versus gremlin. Shout out to Joseph Campbell. Yeah. Man <laughs> versus gremlin. That's what Joseph Campbell yeah. was really talking yes. about. But that like heroes, that like butt hurt conversation Ooh. about it, and it could be a different conversation when we're talking about like IP and stuff like that of like everything superhero movie. It's a conversation we're having all the time, but it seems to contradict with another conversation that we're having where we get mad when our mashed potatoes get mixed with our peas, and we don't understand that we would get something <laughs> new if we mixed our mashed potatoes with our peas. Like, yeah, if you have it, if you have a historical drama that is about like social issues and also sci-fi and also a creature feature you would get something new and cool and exciting but then but no we want the things that we've always had and then we complain about the things that we've always had you know we say we want something unique but we we want comfort uh, right exactly formulaic comfort and we're always skirting right up like the very premise of this podcast we're always edging right up against like we like this, so we're smarter and better than everybody else who doesn't like <laughs> yeah. it. But you know what? Sometimes it's true. You just got to deal with it. In this case, the critics don't know what they're talking about. Exactly. They're all morons, yeah. and we're much smarter well, but, than them. But that's well documented. Think of how critics treat comedies. Like, right. some of the best mm-hmm. comedies of all time. They're like, oh, it's smut humor. I'm like, get over yourself. Fucking get yeah. a sense of humor. Like, come on. Yeah. Give give him a break. It's well. No, I am fundamentally. I am fundamentally almost always. I mean, not like on the side of critics, but I really fundamentally believe that like having a bad take on a movie or like you know not liking a movie that becomes popular or vice versa like doesn't make you bad at your job, especially if you're reading the reviews and making decisions of things based on reviews, even if you disagree with the judgment. Like all that stuff is really important to me. So art is subjective at the end of the day. Obviously I just want to make a blanket statement. We're joking. Obviously. People who don't like this don't like it and that's fine. (laughs) But we're just better than you. There is just (laughs) like there's something to be said about like automatically dismissing something that is hokey as being bad. Mm -hmm. Because like that's not always the case. Sometimes it's fun to have fun like it's like saying you can only ever eat like a five course like five star meal and otherwise you're what you're doing is garbage and if you eat taco bell you're stupid because of it (laughs) yeah sometimes little caesars is just calling your name and that is just as good and little caesar called me by my name so this is like this is like the mod pizza of movies where you're like oh this is like (laughs) fast food and then you eat it and you're like oh whoa 
Like, that was, like, way better this than I was really expecting. Good. Yeah, you're like, maybe I shouldn't have put artichokes and blue cheese at the same time. <laughs> no, I, I got all good. the things I like on yeah. there, and I got all of them. And if I went to Little Caesars, I could only get two of them. But here, I got all of them. One of the random things I saw on the internet that has shaped my perspective on movies, because Twitter is a thing, and sometimes <laughs> you'll see people's... Most people say things, and I'm like, ah, that's dumb. But sometimes they say something smart. And my favorite thing I ever read about movies was judge the merits of a film based on what's its goal and does it accomplish its goal right, right. versus whether or not you like like i could i'm not a big period drama person normally right mm -hmm. like it's something from the 1780s where women are being subjected to a bunch of bullshit and people lose their minds over it. i'm like i don't enjoy watching this like you barely have any rights so why would i but i get like at the end of the day it's not my style but i can recognize that the filmmaking was good right like spencer is a perfect example from this year to where like I think it's a very, very well-made film. I think Kristen Stewart is phenomenal in the role. It's just not really my thing, right? right? Mm -hmm. yeah. But I can recognize, I can separate the difference between I liked it subjectively versus it's a good piece of art, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Come on, come on, another example. I did not like come on, come on, come on. I got bored as hell. <laughs> I couldn't wait for it to be over. But it's a well-made production with Joaquin mm -hmm. Phoenix and company. You want to know I'm how I know that's a good movie? Is when you said you didn't like it, I was about to be like, oh, come on, which... Uh, <laughs> There you go. I've been so punny. That's great. Been so on on, on well, par, I'm but just, mm. but but I think that's the problem with this movie is that there's a lot going on. It puts you out of your comfort zone for different genres, right? And critics are like, "This is ballsy. This is." And it's like, it's just fun. Once you get past the Gremlins, exists the rest is just cake, baby. It's yeah. all good. Like yeah, there's some feminist stuff going on. Like let's go. And I love like, let's like, have a little fun. That sequence at the end, I mean, you know, the last, like, 20 minutes of the movie. I don't think we mentioned, this movie is, like, 80 minutes long. Like, the credits roll on this yeah. thing at, like, 79 minutes and 30 seconds. Beautiful. Like, you're in and out so good. And, like, but that those last, like, 20 minutes where they're, like, fighting on the plane, and you've just got these, like, holes underneath them all over the place. Like, they just give you these moments where they're, like, there's a big fucking hole in the ground right here and you're just constantly aware of it you're like yeah they could fall right through that thing at any moment yeah. and it's all you can think about i think it's so smart have you guys seen shiva baby no mm -mm. it's uh it's on hbo max it came out earlier this year it is like an hour and 20 it's like an hour and 19 minutes long it's about a girl a jewish girl who goes to a shiva and her sugar daddy shows up and it's super awkward and it's her like dealing with the situation <laughs> And then I just watched House of Gucci last week, which was like two hours and 40 minutes or whatever. Yeah. And you could fit two Shiva babies or two uh, Shadow in the Clouds. And I'm like, man, we need more movies to just like true. tell the story. Like, I don't need all that. Oh, man, she gone. We lost Adeline. I just went on a road trip, um, an accidental 21-hour road trip to get to Calgary. It's a long story. Um, but... <laughs> We, my sister and I were measuring it out, like, how many House of Gucci's do we have left? Like, we've oh, driven one House seriously. of Gucci. Like, we have, like, one House of Gucci and, uh, like, the, the credit, or the, um, the coming soons. Like, that's, we have, we've, we've done three House of Gucci's so far. <laughs> that was your measurement right there? Yeah, and it was that's actually kind of helpful. You guys should watch Shiva Baby. If you like awkward yeah. situational humor, it is yeah. overloaded with it, and it'll be right up your alley. And it's only an hour That's and 20. It's great. And butter. Oh, it's great. The bread and butter. Yeah, sorry. My whole computer, well, like, went black. Plugged it in, unplugged it. It, like, came back on, decided to update everything, and now it's fine, I mm -hmm. guess. I don't know why it did that. You're saying we, it would be so on, on par to blame Adeline for it, knowing it's really the gremlin that is her computer <laughs> for our podcast. Big going to shit. Yeah. Let's go. Welcome You're to like, the age of I Adeline. If I knew it was your computer, <gasps> the age of Adeline. That was also a movie. <laughs> I like the concept of the shadow being this thing that is there, but you can't really pick it out. Right. Is and it kind of gets to the metaphor. Is it a gremlin? Yeah. Gets kind of gets to the metaphor that you were talking about about. Yeah something causing problems just not being able to really identify what it is so your biases kick in mm -hmm. yeah no i i really really like this movie like as soon as i was done watching it i like texted all my friends i was like y'all you gotta watch this movie because it's just a hundred percent like what i am into and about i was so excited about it and I'm like i love 
I love that it's so short too. Like it's so sweet and to mm-hmm. the point that like you just like sit down and you just like absorb all of it and you're just like, oh hell yeah, that was great. Like it's just it's really good. It's so good. I'm so happy that I watched it. <laughs> yeah. It's full throttle. I love all of the twists and turns. I think it's 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 got a good poignant thing. I think the one thing that the carryover, this is my theory, of the Max Landis script is calling the package the package instead of like cargo or something was so that they they could make a bunch of package jokes. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I've got a package for you, little girly. Ha ha ha. It's my penis. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny? Like I think right. that's that's where my I was like, I see a little <laughs> hole poking through. Yeah. That's pun intended. <laughs> yeah. But and yeah, you that's know a, that's neither here nor there. Doesn't <laughs> You're allowed to have those theories. It's one of those things it's like you'll never know. You like to imagine yeah. Like it's it gives this thing you like to imagine like oh there's probably not really anything left of it but like maybe the harsh reality is some of the really good ideas were Max Landis ideas or maybe they weren't maybe it really yeah. was like rebuilt from the ground up by by what's her name uh Marion Ling okay. or but Ling. like you just never know you never know and it doesn't matter all that matters is came yeah, out you'll just have to wait to ask God pretty dang good <laughs> ask how much of the Max Landis script was left who really killed John Benet Ramsey. These are the questions that we're that we will have to ask. We saved so many mysteries, so many true crime mysteries to solve mm-hmm. here. True. DB Cooper survive his jump? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Does anyone know? <laughs> I just don't know. Uh, the truth is out there. Is without a paddle a true story? I don't know, guys. Yeah, <laughs> we no. don't. There's no way of knowing. Do you think Hades? God's just like sick of it? You think he's like, you guys can ask me one question, and if it's about John Bonet Ramsey, you're going to hell. Like I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, um, I just want to know my, so badly though. <laughs> my final thoughts on this: I, I really enjoy it because I went in with really low expectations the first right. time I saw it, and so I'm careful not to tell the world it's great. Like I want people to go in. I think if people think it's great, they go in their expectations, and result might be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But I just want people to see it. So whatever. Who cares yeah. at that point? Um, <laughs> I think it's see fun. it. Yeah. But uh, my grandmother's name was Maud, And Maud is not a name you see very often in popular media. And so I, I kind of have a soft spot for it with her mm-hmm. character named Maud. So that's fun for me. Um, but I'll leave you with this. For the folks that watch this or like interested in Chloe Grace Moretz, I'll give five other roles that I think are worth checking out with her. Summer lead, summer supporting roles. Number one. Laggies with Sam Rockwell. It's a it's a great indie film uh, with Kara Knightley. Fantastic. Chloe's great in that. Check that out. I think her character in Dark Shadows, even though the movie is not great, I think her character as being like a dark teenager werewolf is fantastic. I think she does a wonderful job in that. Let Me In is one of her big ones that a lot of oh, people haven't seen. Movie. We didn't mention it earlier, but okay. Let Me In with Cody Smith McPhee is a fantastic vampire uh, film to check out highly recommend hugo um oh yeah hugo <laughs> old you know with uh what's his face what's the little kid's name it's that cody's mcphee it's uh asa butterfield oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's a scorsese movie and the, the just... stars between mark M- mars movie can't breathe whatever he was in that. <laughs> yep, and for and for film nerds, it's a it's an ode to like the OG film days, and yeah. so that's really fun. And then Brain on Fire, which is on Netflix, it's not a great movie, but she mm-hmm. is really good in her role. So for somebody that's in her early twenties, she's just a, definitely a rising star, doing some good stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. always happy to talk about Chloe. So hey, I'm gonna do a slightly more robust set of plugs than usual. Hey. Uh, if you're listening on Twitch right now, we'd love if you could follow the channel. But also, we have this podcast available as a podcast. That's kind of the main deal uh, on, on all major platforms. And if you're listening to the podcast right now, you can check us out on Twitch because we stream the show live every Saturday morning, afternoon, depending on where you are in the country. Um, we also, just this week, launched our Patreon. Finally, it is up and running and people have subscribed to it. It's great. We have got There's content. exclusive mini episodes every single week and we've got monthly uh commentary tracks uh on movies as voted by the listeners, by you, which is very exciting. We got Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 as our first 
selection. So that is already recorded and up on the Patreon. And voting for the next one is open right now on our Discord server, the link to which is in our bio on Twitch. So if you want to... Vote for Knives Out. Yeah. Vote for Knives Out. We've got a favorable reaction for Knives Out on the Discord right now, so maybe we'll get away with it this time. The other one is Jack and Jill, and I really want to watch Knives Out. (laughs) You don't want to watch the David Spade Razzie winning role in Jack and Jill? Oh, the Razzie. So if you want to vote on what movie we watch on Patreon, you can check it out in our Discord server. There's a special channel for it. Um, there's also just a lot of other cool stuff going on in the Discord server. We've got some fun people. And those aren't the there. only two movies you can pick from. If you've got a movie that you want us to watch, mm-hmm. put it up. It's just whoever gets the most votes is the one that we do. Yeah, yeah, we wanted it to be as wide open as possible. We didn't want it to be like, oh, we pick three movies and the listeners pick. Like, in the Discord server, say any movie you want. And whoever says a movie and gets the most upvotes on it is what we're doing. So it could really be anything. That's part of the fun of it. Um <clears throat> So that's all. I think that's what we've got. So uh, in order to end the show, Kyle, we usually read either a one-star or a five-star review of a movie that we found from the internet. So how would you guys like to hear a five-star review of Shadow in the Cloud? Yeah, I, I want the five-star one. Mm. <laughs> so uh, this review comes from Letterbox.com, and this person says, uh, What I think about this movie is that it is really amazing, because Maud had to take care of her child because she was the mother of it and the father pass away. I think it had a great message. And overall, I enjoy it, expecting for the swearing part. But other than that, it was good action movie. Thank you to that seven-year-old writing that review. That's cute. Yeah, great job. What I liked, they got most of it. (laughs) Mon was the mom, and she had to take care of the baby. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Even though the dad was That's feminism. (laughs) Yeah, that's feminism. That's That's feminism. feminism. So anyway, my name is Jackson McMurray. My name is Adeline McMurray. My name is Keisha Rhodes. And this has been the Cool Takes Podcast. Thank you. We will see you next time. uh, Next time, Matrix Resurrections, I think. A a non-Cool Takes episode, just a movie we wanted to see and do a podcast about. Uh... But and thanks to Kyle Hickman for joining us. Yeah, of thank course. You. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks for having me. And Find us on Twitter, Months of That Movie, Months of That Movie's on Instagram. Yes. Yeah, Months of That Movie's on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> and I think that'll do it. Thank you guys for showing up, and uh, we will see you not next week, but the week after. Bye.